welcome to the APA podcast, episode five. I'm Ilsa, and today I'm joined by David Hallett, Chief Executive Officer for IPWEA Victoria. Welcome to the APA podcast. Um, I'm really actually very excited to be having this conversation with you. Um, so, David, would you mind introducing yourself, who you are and, and where you're from and, and what topic it is that we're going to be talking about? Uh, certainly, Elsa. My name's David Hallett. I'm the CEO of the IPWEA's Victorian Division. And we're going to be talking about the Professional Engineers Registration Act 2019, which has impact for uh, really a great many engineers in the civil construction sector. Yeah, great. So when, when you reached out to me to speak about this topic, I was actually really excited to talk to you about it because it's not something that I have um, any knowledge about. Um, and when we did have a, a quick call to organise this, when I started to realise, I guess, the implications and, and how amazing this is going to be for the industry and the sector, um, yeah, I started to, to become delighted to have this conversation. So I guess my first question to you is, why has the government introduced this legislation and what does it mean? Uh, well, the first part of the question, uh, why has the government introduced it? It's essentially a consumer protection initiative. Uh, at the moment, engineers, uh, well, in fact, engineers around the country, other than Queensland, are unregulated. Queensland is the only state in Australia that does regulate engineers. In fact, they've been doing that for 90 years, believe it or not, but none of the other states have. So Victoria's, uh, I guess, a distant second <laughs> to uh, to introduce a registration act uh, for what it's worth. The other states are expected to follow Victoria's lead over the next few years, but uh, Victoria's uh, the only one recently who's introduced such an act. And as I said, it's a consumer protection measure. It, it will ensure that the people who are calling themselves engineers and, and out there doing engineering work of various types uh, are actually appropriately uh, qualified, experienced, and uh, most importantly, perhaps, are maintaining uh, some professional development activity throughout their careers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. And I know when we spoke um, just a few days ago, you shared with me that there's actually um, a distinction about who needs to be registered. So given that it's Victorian legislation, you, you said that there was a distinction that the Act regulates engineers working in Victoria, not necessarily Victorian engineers. Can you talk a little bit more to that? Yeah, that is an important distinction. The, uh, the, the Act uh, covers uh, people undertaking a professional engineering service in Victoria. So for any national organisations who move their staff around from time to time, or perhaps even without moving them, uh, have staff in one state undertaking work in another state, uh, they are going to need to be registered. So it's not just an act that affects Victorian-based engineers, it, it affects engineers doing engineering work in Victoria, wherever they might be based. And what, what types of engineers do need to be registered? Well, the, the plan is uh, in the long term to register all types of engineers, but in the short term, uh, five, five particular disciplines have been identified uh, to, be, to be regulated in the first cohort. And they are 
civil engineers, structural engineers, mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, and fire safety engineers. So those, those five at the outset, it's worth noting that in Queensland, there's something like 20 or 25 different disciplines of engineering uh, regulated at the moment, including other disciplines such as chemical engineering, automotive engineers, aeronautical engineers, and, and a dozen or so others. But in Victoria, the plan is to regulate uh, those five that I mentioned in the first instance and follow over the coming years with those other ones. And, and the two that are probably most relevant to, uh, to anyone in the civil construction space are obviously the uh, the civil engineering category and potentially the mechanical engineering category as well when it comes to plant and equipment uh, construction and maintenance. Yeah, and so what are the implications of, you know, of this legislation? Obviously, it's going to impact um, the engineers, but how will it also impact you know, their employers and, um, and the consumers? Well, that's exactly the point. There, there is impacts not just on individuals uh, and ultimately it's the individual that needs to be registered it's not it's not the organization that they work for it's the individual that needs to hold the registration so that has an impact on uh, obviously people but it also has an impact on their employers and, and the the impact we anticipate is uh, i guess in the first instance a decision around who within an organisation has to be registered. So in other words, who, who within the organisation is doing work that falls under the definition of a professional engineering service, which is defined uh, in the Act. And it's worth noting that it's consistent with the Queensland Act, which is something we've been advocating for. So that, that's the first decision to work out who within the organisation is doing work that falls under that definition. Uh, and from that point, who is acting independently and who might be acting under supervision. The important point there being that if you're acting under the supervision of a registered engineer, uh, you don't need to be registered yourself. So there's implications there for employers, there's implications for uh, roles and responsibilities, for uh, employment agreements, for organisational design, there's all sorts of implications there just hanging off that one definition of, of professional engineering service and whether that's whether that work uh, is being undertaken by someone within the organisation. And what are the qualifications um, that will be required to register? Well, that's where it gets a little bit grey. At the moment, we have an Act. Uh, the Act was uh, gazetted in September 2019, but we don't yet have any regulations to the Act. So all we have at the moment is, uh, I guess, expectations uh, based on some of the communications that were circulated by the state government uh, over the last couple of years, uh, expectations around qualifications, experience and ongoing professional development. The qualification expectation uh, is a degree qualification. We don't yet know whether that's uh, a three or a four or, or even a five-year degree, um, but we are anticipating that the minimum expectation will be a degree qualification in, in the relevant engineering discipline. So let's say civil engineering, for example. Mm. 
And sorry, you said a little bit earlier that there will be ongoing professional development. Do we have any idea about what that's going to look like as part of the requirements? Yes, I think we do. As I said, the qualification requirement is expected to be a, uh, let's say, a four-year degree. Uh, the experience requirement is expected to be five years minimum in in a relevant in, in the relevant discipline, uh, and the ongoing professional development expectation is uh, 150 hours over three years, and the three years is the the registration renewal period. So once you're registered, whenever that might be, you'll need to be, renew your registration uh, every three years after that. So the the professional development expectation of 150 hours every three years lines up with that registration renewal term. Uh, 150 hours every three years is, is quite significant. That's uh, on average 50 hours a year, which is an hour a week, which uh, which as I said is, is significant and in fact higher than other professional uh, disciplines within the sector, uh, architects and builders for argument's sake. Um, what we don't know yet is how much of that 150 hours every three years uh, might be required to be formal training, which usually has a price tag, uh, and, and what might be able to be informal uh, workplace learning for argument's sake. So on, on the job learning, we're, we're hopeful that uh, there is a, 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 I guess, a reasonable balance between formal structured training and informal on-the-job learning, um, but that'll be that'll be uh, up to uh, the regulations and probably the assessment entities that will be involved in administering the act. Mm. Yeah, well, hope, uh, you know, hopefully it will be a, a balance that makes it more easeful for for that registration for the, the people who, you know, because it is people and it is their time and um, hopefully it will be more easeful for them. Um, and the you, cost, we're, we're, I guess we're, we're mindful of the cost of professional mm, development. Mm. As we chatted the other day, the, the, um, attending a, a two-day conference for argument's sake, I, I know that our conference registration fee is about Eleven or twelve hundred dollars, uh, depending on whether you're an IPWEA member or not. And I imagine that other con other two-day conferences are similar sorts of similar sorts of fees. So perhaps a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars. Um, a two-day conference would typically provide you with, um, let's say, uh, twelve or fifteen hours worth of professional development. So doing doing one conference a year uh, at a cost of uh, let's say a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars might not even get you halfway towards your CBD obligation. So we're very keen to know what the minimum expectations are going to be uh, from a, I guess, from a cost point of view as much as anything. Mm. Yeah, that is a substantial, um, you know, investment. And and who will be picking up those costs? Do well, I mean, what's your opinion on whether it will be the engineers who will be picking it up, or whether they may be agreements with employers? Um, if it is that there's mostly formal um, development required? Well, that is a $64 question, Elsa. We, we don't know the answer to that, but I think there, there's going to be all sorts of conversations over the next uh, the next six, 12 months, perhaps, maybe, maybe longer. Um, worth pointing out that this Act is expected to take effect on the 1st of July 2021. So 
some of these conversations need to start fairly soon. But uh, there's, there's going to be all sorts of conversations between, I guess, employees and employers about, first of all, whether they need to be registered to continue to do the job that they're already doing. Uh, and second of all, who's paying the cost, uh, given that there will be, uh, as far as we can see, probably three costs um, to to become and uh, and maintain your registration. And um, so, who who is the regulator, and and how is how is it going to be administered? How does that part work? Well, the regulator is ultimately uh, Consumer Affairs Victoria, which is part of the Department of Justice. Um, they have a uh, a business unit, I think you'd probably call it, called the Businessing uh, the Business Licensing Authority. That's that's part of Consumer Affairs Victoria. Uh, and the Business Licensing Authority, or the BLA, um, has the job of uh, administering this act and, and making sure that uh, all of its requirements are, are, uh, are observed. Now, they're going to do this by uh, establishing uh, what's called a co-regulatory model. Uh, that means that there are going to be uh, what's called assessment entities established to uh, receive applications and validate qualification and experience and professional development requirements uh, in order to then either either um, accept or decline uh, an application for registration. Once that application has been accepted or declined, um, it's up to the applicant then to um, make application to the BLA for registration. So if you like, the, uh, there's a, a pre-assessment of, of qualifications, experience and CPD activity done by an assessment entity. Uh, assuming that's all satisfactory, you then uh, lodge your application with the BLA, uh, pay your money, pay your registration fee and, uh, and you become registered. So at the moment, we don't know who those assessment entities are going to be. Um, it's very likely that uh, one of them, at least, will be uh, Engineers Australia. Uh, it's very likely that another one will be Professionals Australia. But we do know that in Queensland there are several assessment entities, so we're expecting we're expecting more beyond those beyond those two. Uh, but that's where that's where the three costs come in. That there will be a cost to get your application assessed by an assessment entity, and we don't know how that. Uh, is going to shake out at the moment, but we expect that might cost a few hundred dollars. Uh, there's then a second cost payable to the BLA or payable to the state, if you like, um, uh, to uh, to become registered. And again, we'd expect that might be uh, a couple of hundred dollars. Uh, and that's in order to become registered, but in order to stay registered, obviously, there's the cost of professional development. And we've just spoken about the uh, the cost of conference attendance for argument's sake, but um, there might be more required than simply a conference attendance. There might be, uh, there might be uh, workshops to attend or seminars to participate in, webinars, uh, perhaps, and, and all of these things are going to start adding up. So... Uh, I think in answer to your, <laughs> your question, there's going to be an interesting discussion need to be had between employers and employees about who needs to be registered and who's paying the bills uh, for everyone that is registered.
Yeah, great questions. And I'm sure that it will provide some robust discussion over the next 12 months until it you know, comes into effect. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, thank you for your for your time and for your knowledge and for sharing this. It's um, it's been wonderful and, and a pleasure to discuss, you know, what's happening in the Victorian legislation um, around engineer engineering profession. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add around this topic? Uh, just one thing, Elsa. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. First of all, thanks to APA for the opportunity to chat with everyone today about the. Uh, the Registration Act. It's, it is a game changer for engineers in Victoria. Uh, it is certainly a game changer for civil and perhaps mechanical engineers working in the civil construction space. Um, I hope I've demonstrated that we're trying to stay across it uh, as it evolves. Uh, we're providing information through our website, um, uh, webinar recordings for one, uh, updates on regulations as they come to hand, um, IPWEA Victoria is on the stakeholder reference group for the regulations, so we're uh, hoping to have some input as they become developed over the next uh, over the next several months. And we do expect a regulatory impact statement to be published by the state government later in 2020. So everyone will have an opportunity to uh, make submissions against that when it comes out. But certainly uh, have a look at our website from time to time, ipwea.org slash Victoria for uh, updates and information. That's great. Thanks so much, David. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Elsa. Bye-bye. Okay, see you. You've been listening to the APA podcast, a platform for sharing knowledge and information through conversation within the flexible pavement industry. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. If you would like to be part of this podcast, please get in touch with us via our website, www.aapa.asn.au.